welcome to Women Tech Talk and thanks for joining us. I'm Valentina, co-founder of MicroSearch, a niche tech recruitment company that focuses on helping startups to SME businesses scale successful tech teams that are building innovative products. We've created the initiative because we want to change the diversity and gender gap for women within the tech industry. So we want to show young women and women already within the workforce and women thinking of their next career step, why tech needs them. We've interviewed women within the variety of different backgrounds and sectors that are already within the tech world, all the way from C-level to founders to HR and people management to developers and engineers and product owners as well to hear about their journeys and discuss all things tech and why they think more females should join the tech industry. So let's begin. Welcome to this week's episode. Thank you very much for joining us. I am super excited for this week's guest. We speak to the amazing Daniela Straza, who is the head of talent acquisition at a startup company in Berlin called Everphone. So Daniela's journey is a very interesting one. So she actually started her recruitment journey, she would say, her recruitment career, when she was only 17 years old in a very corporate executive search type of environment. So worked very closely with CEOs and execs and VPs. And she really kind of like dices it down into small little pieces in terms of how that actually had an impact in her career and how obviously corporate environment sometimes can really be quite damaging if they don't give you the ability and resources to be your true self. And how, you know, becoming a yes person is really not the way to go about it. And she kind of like takes us as well into, into this transition where when she started into tech, what impact that then had on her personally, because she was very focused on this corporate world that when she did have the ability to be her true self, how imposter syndrome also kind of like took over. Um, so yeah, for anybody who's listening, who feels like there is no way out, who feels like maybe, you know, the jobs that they do aren't good enough, that the companies aren't valuing their ideas or valuing you as a human being, please listen to this because I think you're going to find it very insightful that there are ways out, that there are companies out there that generally do care about you being you. Hi, Daniela. Thank you very much for joining us. How are you? Thank you. I'm very good. And you? Yeah, I'm good. Um, it's, it's one of those times where, like during the week where everything's been quite hectic. Um, it's just one of the, it will come kind of like towards the end of the day. So I definitely can't complain, but I'm super, super excited to, to have you on the podcast, to be honest. So, you know, kind of like when we caught up uh, previously as well, I think you've got a lot to share and a lot that pe- a lot of people are actually going to be able to relate to. So I'd be quite, yeah, quite keen to kind of like dive in. So can you give us a little bit of an intro on yourself? You know, what do you, doing at the moment and yeah how how did you get into tech cool thank you that's very kind of you uh thank you very much i am currently head of recruiting for everphone uh before i was working for sum up as a chapter lead um when i came to berlin to try something different right um but my career in tech uh, started four years ago when I decided that I 
should maybe try a different kind of culture and see if that could work for me better than it was uh, so far. And it did. So here okay. I am. <laughs> so you said kind of like you stopped, you went into tech then four years ago. So yeah. let's kind of like dig a little bit deeper into that part of it, right? So what were you actually doing before you got into tech? And how did you get into tech as well? Like what area did you actually explore? Yeah. So I've always worked mainly in recruitment, right? But the thing is that I started in a executive search agency. I stayed there for actually one year and a half, and it was very interesting because it was a 17 years old girl uh, interviewing CEOs. Uh, and I had by that time to really uh, mature a little bit because you need to be really respected. And we know that it's not that easy to happen. So it was an interesting um experience and then I tried big companies because I wanted to try it out but then I worked for automotive industries uh, telecommunications um, and actually agro as well Uh, but the thing for me is that even though I loved what I was doing and I tried uh, training and development I tried uh, people partnering But as much as I like it, I never really like it, the culture of the companies. Um, And when I say that is because I was really, really trying to find a place where I could be myself. I am a very honest, very transparent person and very non-hierarchical. And for me, it was really, really difficult to try to be something different than that. Um, And at some point, a friend of mine told me, look, heard that tech companies are different and that you can really be yourself. You don't need to, those cliche things, right? You don't need to wear um, uh, executive um, uh, outfits. You can go with shorts. Uh, You don't need to pretend that you're gonna do everything for the high hierarchy hierarchy and et cetera. And I said, well, let's try it out. And I got a position um, at Mercado Livre, um, which is a very big company in Brazil and Argentina. And they are 100% tech because they provide an ecosystem for the the customer inside their uh, e-commerce platform. Actually, it's not e-commerce, it's marketplace. I learned that there. And when I joined that company, I immediately saw a a huge difference in how people treated each other and how was their relationship with work, with people at work, you know? And I finally saw an environment where you really become close to the people, you know? You're, You're not just colleagues that stay for eight hours and then, well, I don't care. Uh, I could really see everyone being 100% transparent, right? And even though it still had a little bit of politics, but it was not at all as the past. And there I knew this was my place, right? The tech companies, the tech industry. And um, I just became more and more passionate about this. And a while later, uh, some up found me, 
And the reason why I went there and is until nowadays, the reason why I, I go to every single company is because during the recruitment process, if you can be honest, transparent, if you can talk about what you really want from your career and you realize that people really do care about this and that they don't get, um, they don't judge you, right? They just uh, see if it's a fit or not. And if you feel that you can trust those people, if you feel that they really care about um whomever works in the company it, and it's not just numbers there, then it's the place I should be, right? So I went to sum up, I spent almost three amazing years there, uh, building nice things. And now I'm in a new um, journey. Oh my God, firstly, wow. <laughs> it's, it's like <laughs> so, so interesting to kind of like actually hear your journey then going from like, you know, executive search, corporate recruitment, going into like a completely different um, environment. Because as you said, sometimes I think people that are in those types of areas don't know that there is a way out or don't know that, the, you know, there are places out there that actually can be your true authentic self or that where people actually generally care about what can you add? You know, what attributes have you got that you can add to the team? And that, you you know, as you said, you're not just another colleague or another head or another number yeah. within that organization. And sometimes I think when you're working in such a big company or kind of like setup where it is very like process driven, very hierarchical, can't even say the word. Um, it, it, it can be very, very difficult to be like, OK, well, actually, I've got this idea, but how can I actually have that impact on the team? Um, because people just are like, mm, no, this is the way it's going to go. It's either yes or that there is no no option sometimes. Um, so it's amazing to kind of like, yeah, hear your, tran your transition, especially when you're a teenager, right? You're 17. Yeah. And you're just like, you're, <laughs> you're still like a baby. When you look back, you're like, wow, that's still so, so young. Um, so yeah. it's amazing that you were like in that setup as well to begin with and actually kind of like transitioned into it. Um, but then sometimes I think when you look back at those environments, there are things that you pick up which can be transferable. Like you can change them, tweak them and make them better. And um, yeah. yeah, there are also habits that you pick up that you just don't want to take with you, right? Like you don't want to kind of like implement them in new workplaces. You're like, I want to leave this behind. Yes. Um, and and sometimes it can be it can be a little bit tricky to then be like, oh wait, actually, there's a there's different ways of working here. There's different ways of running processes. There's different ways of communicating to people. Um, and I think when you've been, as you probably are, have experienced yourself in a situation where you can't actually give your honest opinion about something without being judged it's like when you go into a new environment can you do that and sometimes I think people are like hmm I don't know is this a trick thing people are saying I can be myself but can I be myself like I'm not I'm not really sure and then it takes a bit of adapting right I had that definitely when I moved first uh for the to the first uh tech company Mercado Libre I remember that people were so open, so open. And at some point I started being open as well and felt so natural that when I saw I was exactly like then, but I was so traumatized mm -hmm. that I started thinking, oh my God, I'm going to be fired for sure. You know, because yeah. nobody is that honest. Nobody gives that much of uh, feedback, but the reality is that they do. You're just like, you're used to something that's, doesn't belong to who you are right and it it's not uh, bad it's not wrong it's just it's not me 
right? Mm-hmm. And uh, people need to find play. I always say to the candidates, look, I am here evaluating you, but you are evaluating me as well in the company mm-hmm. because if you don't feel that the company believes in the same things as you do, if uh, you don't believe the environment would not be beneficial to you, then you say no, no matter how much you're going to earn, no matter how much uh, the company has a, a giant name. If you know that there is something that will make you feel uncomfortable in your day-to-day job, don't go, you know? Because mm-hmm. for someone else might be perfect, but if it's not for you, you will find something else. And I was trying to do that. It took a time, a while for me to find, but yeah. I did. Thank God. I, I, think, <laughs> I, think, uh, I think sometimes as well, um, even so like companies and hiring processes, right, aren't honest to the candidates. I think you can also have both sides where you know candidates are kind of like also trapped or not trapped like tricked into like a a role um because they're like okay great well they you know they share the same values as me their mission statement is what i'm looking for they you know they're using the technical languages etc that i want to work with whatever whatever role it could be um and then they obviously start and they're in an environment where they think okay great like i can actually contribute to this i can make an impact and then they kind of like see that oh actually i can't the cracks start to show and then you get companies being like, oh, well, we don't know why people are leaving. And it's like, what do you, what do you mean you don't know why people are leaving? Like, yeah. I, can, I can tell you straight away why people are leaving. Um, and I had, I had situations like that where I've worked with clients, right? They have like this very, um, you know, their name is their brand and they have all these cool wacky things on social media and it looks really, really cool. Um, but then when you actually dig a little bit deeper into it, and sometimes managers are like, oh, normally we don't get recruiters asking us that. And it's like, well... Yeah. I kind of like want to know more about your personalities and what you're like because my candidates are my candidates right that I represent over and I want to make sure that they're going to be happy in that setup Um, and if I don't know how I'm going to be able to sell the role or what the company culture is really like it's going to be very difficult to find the right people and then they dig I dig a little bit deeper then I'm like okay so but do you actually do this though and they're like oh no no but we just use this for you know to gain traction on our social media pages and I'm like so you don't actually implement what you preach online and they're like not all the time no and I'm like "Mm, so do you see what the problem is here and then they'll be like um okay and then they kind of like again it's it's one of those things where you see things going through in their head where they're thinking shit actually yeah you're right why don't we do that and why are we actually yeah presenting something that's not that's not real this is a real nice thing that you're saying because um I'm really tough with this thing because this for me is uh, the real talent acquisition team, right? The real talent acquisition team is uh, a team that will not be order takers. Of course, you will earn more money if you go there and anything they ask you accept and just go try to find it. But the thing is that by the end of the day, you do have a lot of experience in terms of how the market is in terms of are you having are you with bias or not you know um are you having a traditional mind or not and for me if you cannot go there and really advise your stakeholder uh and make the difference then you're not doing your job you know because what is the point of you hiring anything that everyone asks if you know at the end of the day that some of them will not be the perfect fit 
right? And there's another thing uh, as well that relates a lot with what we were discussing uh, earlier about culture, right? I really can't lie to a candidate, right? I can't. So I need to be in a company that I really believe. If I stop believing, it's time for me to leave because I would not do my job. I can't. Uh, this this is, could be bad for recruitment, but honestly, I think that the good side is when you talk, you talk with so much passion that uh, there's no one that will not want to join, right? I think, I think um, honestly, Daniela, like you hit the nail on the head there in, in regards to um, the transparency part of it. And I think we really don't get that a lot in recruitment, whether it's, you know, in-house recruitment, whether it's agency recruitment, whatever it is. And I think sometimes people only see the dollar signs. Um, they literally like, they all see obviously what the salaries are for these positions. Like again, talking from experience in terms yeah. of companies that I've worked with. Um, when I got into recruitment, it was literally all about like the company that I worked with in London was like, it was about profiting right bringing in bringing in money bringing in profits placing as many people as possible and not really having that area where you really really concentrated on actually building relationships and um, like the management there were very like no this is this is the only way and you're going to pick up that phone and you're going to talk to 100 people today and I'm like but these aren't the 100 people that are going to be fitting for what I've currently got pick up the phone it's a numbers game it's a numbers game it's a numbers game um and then at the beginning I was like right okay well this is obviously what it's like I didn't know any different um, and then I had a client in Austria actually and I've got a very very good relationship with them I've been working now with them for four and a half years and every time I've moved companies they've always come with me they're like no you want to work with Valentina and I'm like great <laughs> um but it's just the type of relationships that I've built with them right and that started way back kind of like in, in my first recruitment company and I'd really started to then take my time to get to know the managers more and then mm -hmm. kind of like the business unit manager being like she's been on the phone too long and I hurry up like you know um but then my manager on the team he was he was leading a team of about we were five or six he really liked that approach as well like he wanted that approach but then he was kind of like in that hard place of doing what the management wanted you to do or kind of like following your heart type thing so he was really brilliant at trying to give us time to be able to do that but then sometimes it did feel like, okay, come on now, next, like call the next one, call the next one. Um, and then that was really kind of like the, yeah, the reason why I started to like hate recruitment. I got to like my, my yeah, second year and I was there for about two and a half. And um, I was just like, no, this isn't, this isn't for me. Like I want to move away from London. I want to move away from this like recruitment thing. Cause in my head, that's what recruitment was about. Yeah, of course. What recruitment companies were like. Um, and then I moved over to like the countryside in the southeast of England um, and started working for like a very small niche recruitment company. They specialize in insurance um, and the managing director there, he was like, we need somebody that's got a bit of technology to come in, help our clients like fill their um, yeah, IT roles because we're getting a few inquiries through. At the beginning, I was like, oh, I don't know. Mm, I'm not sure, you know, because I was like, I, I don't really. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't know if I want to do recruitment. He's like, just come in, like, just you know, meet us, etc. I met them, and I was like, oh my god, like you, you guys are like a, a a breath of fresh air. Um, and there was like literally about eight of them there, um, and half of them were women, and half of them were men. And I was like, wait, what? Half of the office are women? Like, this is so weird. And um, because in the other place, again, I could count in one hand how many female recruiters we had. Um, and again, kind of like that diversity part just wasn't there. And if you were the type of person in the room to put your hand up and ask a question, they'd look at you like you're an idiot. 
you know like all the guys there they'd be like oh my god here she goes again oh another question okay it's like well no how can you how can you learn and how can you improve processes if you don't dig deeper um and i found that kind of like really held me back um, and i think some yeah. companies as well if they don't have that open policy where you can actually always self-develop like always you know learning and kind of like yeah just just wanting to become better they're going to really struggle um and yeah they're not <laughs> i don't i don't think kind of like you have you have all of these like little birds now flying around telling you what's kind of like what's happening so you kind of like still know how how the company's doing and yeah it, it's you know it's not it's not that great at the moment and i generally think it's because of the culture that they had created many many years ago that they thought yeah going to continue but this thing about uh, there are two things that I want to comment about what you said because it's all amazing. But uh, let's start with the the women not being that respected, right? I've been through that so many times in my career, and at some point, you either become someone very very tough mm-hmm. that people will not at all <laughs> mistreat you, or um, they will continue doing that because they see that you let them right and I had situations tons so when I was in the exact search I remember um, the CEOs coming the directors coming and saying what is your age what you're doing here and I was the interviewer right Um, and then I went to uh, one of the industries and I remember that every single time I was taking care of one of the leadership programs right for hiring and we had meetings me and the VP of finance and, and the VP of marketing and we had meetings every single week and every time it took like 30 minutes of me talking for them to look at me because I had to prove that I had something to say, right? And I think that those things happen every single day. But, and then the women, they start how to position themselves in a way that needs to be tougher than the rest of the people so they can really respect you. And do we really need to? You know, it's sad to need to do that, but it's good that we learned. this makes me really sad and I try to empower every single person that works in in my team you know because it is not something good for you to feel you start having imposter syndrome you start doubting your work uh, doubting that um, you should be talking with them and uh, you know the hierarchy comes with that as well right they put you down and how can you just show that you should not be down so it's a, a really interesting topic. I, can, I could talk forever because uh, I'm very passionate about this, but I don't want to take a lot of your time. <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, like this is exactly why we're having these conversations, right? To kind of like bring awareness out there and talk about experiences and kind of like what we, you know, as women in general kind of like go, have gone through because there's so many people out there that are probably going through exactly the same thing and do go through exactly the same thing. So it's about yeah. understanding how can you actually tackle those situations and as you said there's kind of like two ways right you can even kind of like really um build yourself up and kind of like use that as empowerment and be like no you don't treat me like that um or it goes the other way where you're like um okay you make that the norm right you make it you make that the the day-to-day thing where people know that they can mistreat you or they know that they can tell you to you know shush or whatever um and sometimes like you said you know when you're talking to people at that level it's almost like it's almost like you're saying 
oh thank god i had that time like oh i'm so privileged yeah. to speak to them like wow i'm so lucky and it's like what no, no they're lucky they're to speak to you. yeah and but this uh, is what i say yeah every single time they are people they are so insecure as you are they are so stressed as you are they are probably burning out as you are so you know instead of just putting yourself in a in a position that uh, there's olympus and then there's you right um try to know who are them they you know try to get to know them try to understand sometimes they are like venting because they are extremely anxious people and you don't realize because they are in this position of uh not power right but they have like higher titles and you really believe they have power and they are uh, unbreakable and they are perfect they are not they are suffering as well you know and once you realize then you can really um you start making um building a good relationship of trust where they know that you're there to help them. And you know as well that they will help you to do your job. So uh, I think at the end of the day, it's just a matter of recognizing that people are people, no matter where they are, uh, their gender, uh, their clothes, nothing. They're people, you know? And we forget that because I don't know, I think I think though you know especially I think that honestly comes with experience as well um I know I remember the first time I picked up the phone to, to speak to a CTO um when I when I went into recruitment and I was just like okay and, and you know I worked in tech before like I was working at a tech company and all of kind of like the um the CTO and like the you know the the VP of engineering and stuff like I got on with them very well but it's because when I joined they were there they were like they were your team members um so that so i looked at it differently right um but then when it was like going and picking up the phone to speak to a complete stranger about a specific role or trying to you know um yeah engage with them and convince them to work with you that was a completely different ball game because it was like yeah. right, so i don't really know much about you i've tried to look you up on you know linkedin or whatever and find as much info as possible um yeah. but it was really daunting um, and some and and my man usually say he's like wow like they're people like they, they just look like you and me and I'm like but no he's the CEO and he's the CTO and he's and he's like he's like oh my yeah. God. <laughs> like wake up um but it took me quite a while because I felt like I wasn't not not good enough but it, like who are they who am I to then go to them and be like hey work with me right like yeah. you know nothing about me and I was quite new to the industry as well so who am I to then give you advice on who to hire <laughs> so I kind of like had that that type of feeling as well and, and um it did take quite a while to like get over it but as soon as you do get over it and pick up the phone and as you say see people as people and not as titles because I think yeah. that, really there's like a big blur there right um between like hierarchies and even if it is like a flat hierarchy type company sometimes if you're so new to the industry and so new to the team you're like oh can yeah. I it's like yeah you absolutely can speak to them like that they are also the type of people that you can learn from right um yeah then a few years ahead of you um, and that's really the difference right that that is literally the difference yeah um, but you also touched upon like imposter syndrome Daniela yeah so I'd be really keen to actually dig in a little bit deeper on that side with you like did you actually kind of like go through that or did you yeah did you suffer with imposter syndrome quite badly or yeah tell me a little bit about that part I did, and I probably do until nowadays, right? I just, um, uh, what's the word? 
I just pretend a little bit better. Uh, <laughs> I think um, this is one thing that is super, super interesting and relates to the last topic, right? People, most of the times, they don't realize um, the position they are in a company. They don't realize that. They don't realize the impact they have. But they do. And then people react to, the, to this impact in a way. And you don't understand why people are far away from you. So it's something that it's really bizarre, right? Because nobody tells you from one day to another. So now you're here and now you're here because actually you're nowhere, right? The thing is that people create this when they see you there and they see they, your title or when, you, when they see you joining a meeting to talk about a specific topic. Um, and with me, I think that in my whole life, I, I have a very, very uh, interesting relationship with work because work was always a very big part of, him, of my life, you know? And most of my confidence comes from work, which is very strange, right? But uh, this is how I grew up. And the thing is that when you have a very strong relationship with work and when you have... Uh, the confidence coming from there as well, at least part of it, you expect so much from yourself, you know, and it's never enough. No, no matter what you do, right? It's never enough in your opinion. And this is not how you treat people. This is not um, the same measure of expectation you have from other people, but you do for yourself. And it's very, very hard to leave this cycle, right? Um, at some point in my career, I realized a way of making this better to me and to others, which was being vulnerable. You know, it's so difficult to be vulnerable, but especially when you're a lead and you start being vulnerable to your team, what happens after is that they empathize with you. They understand where you come from. They understand that you're not perfect, that you don't have all the answers and I will never have, you know? But it also makes me um, accept, to accept more that I am not perfect, you know? Because in the beginning, you always expect that if someone asks you a question, you're gonna say, oh, so this is the answer. But do you know, the reality is that you don't need to have any answer. You need to ask the right questions, right? And make people reflect because this is good leadership, right? It's like, okay, you wanna know this. I don't think I know that, but one question, two questions, third question, and then the person realized uh, himself or herself the answer and boom, amazing. You learned with them and they learned from themselves. So I don't know. I think there are a lot of things that you can do to start, I think, forgiving yourself not to be perfect and also um, to stop this um, putting people in like a God place, you know, in Olympus. Um, and I don't know, people yeah. could do more of that. Yeah, I think I think um, when it comes to kind of like the leadership side, oh, that's such a that's such an interesting topic, and I love love talking about it. Um, yeah. And mainly, it's because obviously I've had experiences like working with 
many, many different types of leaders. Um, some of you have been really great, some haven't been so great, and then learned how to become great leaders and vice versa. Um, but I think the vulnerability part, Daniela, like is so, so important because it actually gives off the human element, right? You everybody's yeah. got, you know, everybody's got a private life outside of work. You're not the person that you are at work every single day you've got families you've got friends you look you've got hobbies you know um you're not just a recruiter you're not just a hr manager software developer whatever it is right um, and i think sometimes when you're in that place of um as you said kind of like a higher titles in within the hierarchy of a company and um, sometimes people just assume they look at you and they're like oh, okay yeah yeah no, i can't ask that or i don't know this and maybe i shouldn't go there and um, oh they'll laugh at me or you know they won't take me seriously and i think the moment that you actually give a side to your team members that they haven't seen before whether it's knowing more about your family whether it's knowing more about your kids your hobbies whatever things that you like don't like things that you're good at not good at that is going to literally make like make yeah. the atmosphere just completely different because then the person and I've been there, you know, I, my, my, my managers, I've had like really good managers and I've actually been really fortunate about it. And um, where they've always like, if I've had a question, they would ask the questions, as you said, they'd be like, okay, well, let's, let's sit down then, you know, let's go into the meeting room and kind of like talk about it. And I'm like, okay. And they, I'll take my notepad and pen and off I go. Um, and that's how I've learned a lot of my stuff. And, but they would actually be like, okay, so tell me obviously what the issue is or tell me what you ha- what problem you have and I'll kind of like try and break it down. Um, but they didn't give me the solution for it. They would ask the questions and they would ask me questions in terms of, okay, but so um, how have you actually, how have you actually come to this conclusion? Like, you know, talking mm-hmm. steps. Then as I'm talking through the steps, then a little light bulb moment goes on. So you're like, oh, hang on a second. Wow. Okay. No no I've just answered my own question I now know kind of like what I, what I did and yeah. um, but it's also as you said like you reflected on what you know you do and stuff but your leaders are there to guide you through that and trust me there's been many many times where they didn't know the answers you know in my um previous company that I worked with obviously they were insurance so the managing director didn't know much about tech but he really really did try in terms of like understand yeah. my role and understand kind of like and he would say break it down so what does this role actually mean and what does this mean and what does this mean and um, so then it gave me the ability to obviously train somebody else up on that part as well um but he then took things from his experience and and obviously it was recruitment right so he then obviously used to break down things for me that I can transfer over to my role because it just it didn't matter if it's tech if it's insurance if it's whatever right um the skills are pretty much the same skills it's just how you apply them that's different um yeah and and he used to re- he was really really good at it and I'm like oh my god I didn't think about this this way like this is an amazing this is an amazing topic um and he was always very open he's like if you've got an idea bring it to me and he would always say to everybody he'd be like guys like this is what we want to currently do at the moment blah, blah 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 like um yeah please email me talk to me whatever you think is easiest if you've got an idea of how we can approach a situation because it wasn't just him delegating it was him asking asking other people what do you want what would you like to see how can I help you does that make sense totally and I I I think this kind of leadership is really really important for everyone you know um taking decisions it's really hard right and the the higher is your title the higher is the risk right but the thing is that again if we understand that we don't know everything 
how can you take a decision for every single thing that happens? Uh, what I try to do always is to take decisions together, right? And there are so many ways that you can do that. You can get post-its, you know, and uh, you have a topic. So your team goes there and start putting like what works, what doesn't work. And then you start asking questions and questions and questions when you see we have the answer. And we have an answer that everyone agrees, you know, so you don't need to impose anything. Um, and it's actually way more uh, satisfying for you as a leader because you see that it was not you saying this, do this, do that, but it's something that everyone wants to do. And you know that this is going to be amazing because it will be everyone in the same direction, you know? Um, yeah, so by the end of the day, I think that uh, everything that is regarding leadership and how you show yourself to others, you need to be really, really careful, you know, and it's not careful to be uh, being vulnerable, but it's careful to be certain that you're vulnerable. Mm -hmm. Am I um, yeah, clear? Yeah. Because sometimes, you know, my English is not that good. <laughs> Absolutely fine. Okay. Yeah, but for me, that's it, right? Um, I've seen, I had, I had the happiness of having three amazing teams. Uh, they were like perfect people. They were caring. They were extremely competent and smart, you know? But the most important thing is that we had such a safe environment in our team that anything that happened to any of us, we could discuss and one could cover the other if necessary, you know, and this improves mental health, this improves the confidence at work, this stops like um, judging, you know, um, I don't know. I, I really don't understand why people don't do that nowadays. We are not that traditional. We had so many examples of um, the traditional hierarchical versus a uh, non-hierarchical environment where people really feel safe on um, taking a decision that might be risky, risky or uh, to try something out, uh, to A-B test, which is the, the words that I love the most and that I use the most. Uh, my team will probably laugh now, but um, yeah, we should be doing way more of that. I honestly, I, I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, as you know, like recruitment is obviously something I'm really, really passionate about, but in terms of like just culture in general, and this is sometimes what I say to people, it's like, don't don't hire people for culture fit hire people for culture add and what i mean by culture add is hire people that are going to really make a difference in that team hire people that have got different attributes are going to bring out the best in the people in that team right and mm -hmm. um, if you're hiring the same people it's going to be like oh great the same people but if you're hiring a, you know a dynamic type and dynamic i hate that word but you know different people from different cultures different experiences it's going to make that um company and that and that culture feel much more unique and as you said then when you feel like something's not right or you know you just want to talk to somebody you've got an open conversation with your team members where you've got each other's backs as well and the trust trust is the most important thing that you can have within a team it doesn't matter whether it's 
two people, three people, a hundred people, if you can trust each other and rely on each other, I honestly think that is actually generally what makes a company successful um, instead of just trying to hire as many people as possible, do the job and then go. Because without that, honestly, I don't think you'd be able to even like go down the street, you know, without something falling apart if you didn't trust your, if you didn't trust your employees um, and your team members. And I think that is such an important area and topic that people talk about but they don't actually also and i've been i've been in situations where companies are always talking about that talking about it and i dig a bit deeper and i'm like okay so how how is this oh no we had to let these people go and these people oh but you just told me they're really great oh yeah they were but you know this and this and this and i'm like so you didn't trust them <laughs> you know so it's like it's just a little bit like well you're talking yeah. about this you've got this amazing trust culture but you've just you know let go like you know 10 people etc that you didn't trust um so again it's just it's just like finding that finding that that balance within the team and if you get yeah. that right and i'm a massive believer in this if you get that right you're going to flourish and, and you are going to scale and people are going to want to join you because people yes. are going to recommend you they're going to recommend the company they're going to recommend the roles they're going to be really 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 passionate about yeah. what the company stands for right um yeah <laughs> that's kind of kind of like my my take on it um but if i was to also ask you Daniela, like tech right it's so um like, like the opportunities there are, are, are like endless right so why would you recommend the tech industry now now you've been in it for four years why should more people actually join it why should more females join in more more you know um yeah and more under kind of like valued communities and stuff like that why should they join it I honestly think that there are a lot, loads of benefits, right? Uh, I think the first thing that I would say, of course, is what I've been saying since the beginning of this call, which is the culture, right? It's a very unique culture. Of course, it's not the same in every company, uh, and it would be strange if it was, but they all really try, they, they make a real effort of having like a transparent company, no hierarchical and stuff. And you can really see this since they, since the interview, right? The second thing for me is that it's an environment where you can really test things. And for creativity, um, testing is the most important part, you know, because Think about um, a traditional company that I've worked for some now. And when they when they say, well, you need to do this project, let's let's say that, right? But what they are gonna tell you is like, well, you have six months to tell me what the plan is because it needs to be perfect, right? And it's not going to be perfect because you cannot just say one idea and, well, that's it. I discovered uh, Brazil, you know, it's not. And then inside of that company, you A-B test, you go there, you try, I will talk about um, in my world, right? The talent acquisition world. So you're sending messages to candidates. So you send message one that is personalized, but more focused on the culture of the company. And you send message two to another group of the same uh, competencies. And you send, you talk now about the challenges you have in the world. And then you do this and that. And then at some point, if you use the data in your favor, you will know what is the day and time in, in the week that people reply the most, you will know what kind of um, message works better 
with this kind of uh, people, uh, you don't know so many things and you can do this to anything, you know? Why are we not? So the third thing is exactly that, data, right? They are super data oriented. And for me, if you don't have the data and you cannot prove that something works, then, well, you're going to abuse the data and then you're going to prove that it works, you know? Um, it's... Uh, we are not anymore in a time where we can just go and say, well, I think, okay, it's perfect that you think, but can we test, right? Um, and I think the fourth thing that for me was one of the most important as well is that in a tech environment, you are never comfortable. I was never comfortable. And if I was getting comfortable, I was like, can you give me something that's, I really don't know how to do, you know, because you want to feel uncomfortable because you're going to grow, right? When you start feeling comfortable, is that, okay, I learned something now, um, but it comes with a lot of, you know, uh, I don't know how to say that. It's yeah. uncomfortable. I love that. Oh, that is so, so funny. I love that you brought that up. And yeah, if, if you're obviously not learning, there's something wrong there, right? Because if yeah. you're always, you know, growing or even kind of like just whether it's learning a new terminology, whether it's learning a new process, whether it's learning obviously how to analyze the data differently, whatever it is, you're learning, right? And as soon as that learning growth stops, mm, red flags change. Something needs to change, whether the company or you or something in that yes. environment, because otherwise, you're just going to stagnate and you're just going to become like a little marshmallow, you know, <laughs> on the side. And you're not going to really kind of like, yeah, be, um, yeah, you're not going to become an expert in your field or you're not going to be that go-to person anymore. And yes. I think also when you become so comfortable that you're not learning, you can also really damage yourself. And what I mean by damage yourself is like, when things do then become available that you don't know you'll start to panic and you're like oh my god I don't know this like, oh I don't know this I know everything I know everything's like no you don't actually know everything yeah. you only know that one thing that you learn and you've been doing that one thing that you've learned for two years and that's all you've been doing um so actually no uh, you know and and that can have a lot of a really bad impact I think yeah. and I think it, as soon as kind of as I said as soon as we stop then yeah you, you've got to you've got to change the environment or, or speak to somebody about it because otherwise it's just not going to work and um, but yeah I love that well there you go anybody listening if you're if you're comfortable you need to change some things you've got to be uncomfortable. Yeah, <laughs> uncomfortable in tech um and that's amazing I, I completely completely can relate to that and I completely agree um well honestly like I'm so sad we're coming to the end of our conversation because uh, me too. So, much, so much to cover um but where can people find you Daniela if they actually want to reach out connect you know have a discussion with you about things and yeah where, where can they find you Always through LinkedIn. I I try to answer everyone and I've been uh, having amazing conversations. And one of them was you, right? Uh, we connected through another person. Um, so just send me a message, you know, and we, we can exchange ideas. I love to learn something different every day and it will be definitely super cool. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so what I'll do is I'll leave obviously all your um, connection details and everything like that on the uh, message okay. on this episode so people can connect to you directly. But it's been an absolute pleasure, honestly. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for your insight and your experience. And yeah, I look forward to kind of like hearing the feedback and seeing what people thought of this as well. 
Oh, me too. Thank you very much. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot and I hope people uh, interact so we can learn. Thank you very much. I'll speak to you soon. Bye. Bye.